Hello and welcome to the Chorus in the Chaos podcast. My name is Blake. I'm joined, as always, with Jack and Grace. And Grace made it back with us. He survived the great Midwest Norse snowstorm? Northern Norse. snow? Nor- <laughs> nor- do you guys get Norwest- Nor'easters? It'd be a nice storm. Is that it? what you call them? Like a nice... No. Like my Northern wife's ice. family calls them Nor'easters, like those Northeast. But you're more like Central. Anyway. Yeah. No, it... We I've never called it a nor'eastern storm or Norse storm as you first referred to it either. Yeah, right, right. With, the, with that, fight we've got Odin heads. and Loki coming in. <laughs> we've got the North Storm. <laughs> it's kind of a cool name for a storm, though. Anyway, um, the first three intros were much better. If you would have heard those, dear listener, <laughs> um, we've run out of we run out of things. Uh, we are on the subject of common struggles in the Christian life. If you have not listened to, particularly the episode on Bible reading and prayer, we would highly suggest that you go back. And you start there because everything that we're going to talk about, uh, all of the concepts and commands uh, that we discuss, of course, are going to be flowing out of Scripture. These are not simply our ideas, but they are what the Lord has said in his word. And so that's going to be a foundational starting point for us as we move forward. Uh, If you have not liked and subscribed and left us a review for the podcast, the page. We would really appreciate that. That helps us out in circulation and things like that. And so leave us a honest review. We would uh, love to read it as long as it's good. And if it's not good, we will be very upset. Um, (laughs) Tonight's subject uh, on common struggles of the Christian life is probably one of the most dreaded areas. When I talk to fellow believers, and I would say this is at one time, this was true in my life. Uh, one of the most dreaded commands is the command to evangelize, uh, that it is scary, that it is difficult, uh, that there's all of these different expectations attached to it. There's confusion over what evangelism is. And so we're going to talk about some of those things tonight, of course, from God's words. So I'm excited to have uh, these brothers with me tonight and we can kind of discuss this stuff and you all just get to listen in. So kick back. Relax, grab yourself a hot cup of coffee, and enjoy episode, insert episode here, evangelism. Five? five. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was near the number. Right. Like, uh, I don't five. know. Somewhere in there, yeah. yeah. I think it's five. All right, guys. So what, what, when, we talk, when we say the word evangelism, what comes to the mind of uh, your average Western believer? I mean... You got to go with street preacher, right? Like I think everyone identifies evangelism with, with the street preacher in town because every town yeah. has one, right? Um, no, ours doesn't, but oh well, that's your calling, Blake. I was gonna say maybe that's a <laughs> condemnation on my own head that I just heaped there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but no, I, always, I think about I think about street preacher. I always think of the uh, the chick tracks, the jack chick, right? Um, you go into a different place and you drop them in a strategic location and then bam, somebody can read about Jesus. Right. Yeah. Right. right. I've seen those lots of different places. Yeah. Do you There's ever stop a- and read them? I, I've I, read a bunch of them. I've read a bunch of them. Yeah. I've read them. Um, so we've gotten some for like Halloween stuff. Like you go to different neighborhoods and you, you know, the, it's like the cool houses give you the king size candy bars but you know, the one house will give you a chick track and you're like, at least give something in addition with it. 
Um, I've seen them in bathrooms at different points. Those are the ones that I don't want to touch because <laughs> in a bathroom, yeah. um, <laughs> hotel lobbies, I mean, all over the place. Yeah. What level of yeah. guilt do you have to feel to pick up a chick track in like a truck station but, bathroom? Uh, I mean, I don't, bathroom, know. I, don't that, know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Either that or you're having a real rough time and you're just like, oh, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, you just got to be down and out. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, so, I, you know what? You're we, like we, Jonah we, in the bottom of the sea in the belly of a that's whale. That's right. Or fish, that's probably a pretty good analogy. Stop bathroom thinking about <laughs> yeah. your life. I'm sure <laughs> the it's rain's happened. coming down. No, no, yeah, no. I, I'm sure it's happened. We'll, I mean, we'll I would rather any... see. I would rather see a chick track. This could be controversial than like a uh, Watchtower magazine or something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that true. Yeah. yeah, that is true. So the only yeah, ones that find that controversial would be, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses. That's yeah. true. Are they, they're the ones that do the Watchtower, right? Right, right. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that are very anti Jack Chick for for good. There's some good reasons. If you've ever, sure. hey, you can go online and read the the drug track. I think there's a couple of them, but the one where the guy ends up in prison, that one's a banger. Rated R, definitely. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, wow. This is um. This would keep me from doing drugs. I think. If it. so, here's an here's an ask, listener. If you're if you're on YouTube and you're watching this. If you were saved or came to know the Lord through a chick track, put that in the comments. I'm genuinely because I've never met anyone that has. I'm sure they're out there. I have no doubt of that. Yeah. That the Lord has used that. Like no, no doubt whatsoever. So I've here's never met so one. actually here's an interesting story. My dad, when he was a kid, came to know the Lord when his older brother uh walked him through the this was your life track. Hmm. Mm. So there you go. That's cool. That is I mean, cool, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't, but, it, but then as you read, I don't know, you know, sometimes it's one of those things where you look at it, like, I read that track and I like start getting kind of nitpicky on it. Mm -hmm. There's a few things that are, you know, like, eh, so I don't know. I don't know. Lord can use Jack's chick. That's why the chosen's no, I'm just kidding. Not really. We're going to do an episode. <laughs> We're going to do an episode on the chosen. Uh, it's going to be coming out. And it's that may going come to be, out before this one. So it's going to be picante. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> extra. <laughs> no, but that's a lot of the things that people are using is like, I mean, yeah. if you're talking about evangelism, getting back on the track there. I mean, there are people saying like, it's a great evangelistic tool. You know, the chosen is. So there's so much confusion about uh, what evangelism is. Now, here's kind of a basic question, but it is a fundamental question. Why does God command us Christians to evangelize? I mean, why doesn't God just send everybody an email? Well, the simple reason for it is that this is what God has commanded, right? He uses ordinary means, and one of those means is that the gospel must be heralded by those who have received the gospel. No, Grace, and that can't be it. Mm, yeah. Right. It, it really is that simple. Like, because the, the answer is this is God's chosen method. He has explicitly said so that people who are saved proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the unsaved. And those are the things that God is pleased to use to save men and women. Amen. Yeah. I always so, find it incredibly interesting because it gets at the heart of, I'm, I'm going off on a rabbit trail already, but yes. I hear people that well, we were just talking about truck stop bathrooms. So this is true. It can't be, it can't be worse. <laughs> it can't be worse than that. Right. But I've heard people talk about different mediums needing to be used instead of sermons being preached. And it's like, 
that's the means and the method that God is pleased to use. Right. And it's not saying that all sorts of different things can't be used in various ways, but what Grayson, is the means me, that God has blessed? Right. Let me give you some wisdom that's going to blow your mind. Okay. Let's hear it. Are you ready for this? I am. I'm ready. A wise I've never man. Been more ready. <laughs> a wise man once said that you should share the love of God with people and sometimes use words. Tim Keller. Sometimes you must use I think, the city. I think that's attributed to St. Francis. Yeah. It, right. Yeah. It, yeah. You preach the, always preach the gospel. If necessary, use yeah, words right. or something words. Yeah, but, like that, yeah. which isn't Francis a girl's name. <laughs> Owned. <laughs> listen, Owned. we're going to, yeah. Mm. You know, the guy with the girl's name. I don't know if I want to listen to that. Uh, no, it's it's widely I, attributed to him, but it's actually would, never found in his. That's writings. a sad. Yeah, I would like to formally apologize to any Francis's that are listening to yes. the Force in the Chaos podcast. You can email. You're sorry that Grayson dot Force in the Chaos dot com. Yeah, sorry, that's a little bit more um, chaos and chorus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the uh, so we know. Okay, so we know that evangelism is in, is important. Okay. We know that it's commanded, which we will look at a little bit, and we'll kind of unfold what evangelism is and all that. So then the question becomes, why are so many Christians afraid to evangelize? I mean, it's almost like a truism that in Western culture in particular, there are so many people who say that they know the Lord Jesus, but are very scared to actually share that with somebody else. What do you guys think are some reasons goes, for that? Well, I think there's a myriad of reasons, right? But maybe, maybe at the top of the list or near the top of the list is the fear of like that public speaking, the fear of confrontation, the fear of being rejected. The, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult to walk up to a stranger and say something they don't want to hear. Right. Or you even know? to a loved one or yeah. to a loved one. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, that's, right. that's, that's even harder. I think. Sometimes. Right. So, right. um, I don't know. Those are a couple ideas. Yeah. I think if you were to put it, as a, a top umbrella be fear and that fear fleshes out in different ways. Right. So, um, you could lose a friendship, right. Especially as you're mm -hmm. just delving into unpopular truths or lose a relationship, you could mm -hmm. be exposed, you know, for a lack of knowledge. Um, I think some people are just afraid of the fact that they might say something stupid. I mean, that was one of the yeah. big things that always tripped me up in the beginning was that I was worried <clears throat> that I had to have just the right argument crafted in order to be able to, <clears throat> talk to right. whomever it might be. Um, yeah. We also can fall into the trap of thinking we need to know all the various different things that will come against us, right? All the different arguments, right? Um, which is kind of a piggyback off of that last one. But if I were yeah. to say one big thing, I think it is largely just fear. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily even from a place of, that this isn't important. Like, I don't think any Christian would say like, well, evangelism is not important. Getting the gospels out is not important. I, I think it actually maybe is on the other end of the scale that it's so important that people are scared that if they do something to mess it up, then they have just blown like the most important message, perhaps the most important moment of someone's life, a decision point, you know, for Christ. And so I think, I mean, for a lot of people, I think it just, you know, paralyzes yeah. them. Yeah, fear mm -hmm. of losing family, friends, like you said, uh, that fear of that closed door, that maybe they'll only have one opportunity with a person 
And if they, you know, from their, from their end, if they blow that opportunity, then that door will be closed and that'll be it. You know, they won't get another chance kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's some, there's some arguably, uh, at least surfacely things that seem like legitimate things that hopefully tonight we can just kind of put your, your, your mind at ease. So what is evangelism? I, I uh, stole this definition uh, from uh, Whitney. If somebody wants to read that, that'd be great. Sure. I got it. Uh, It's a good definition. Evangelism is presenting Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to sinful people in order that they may come to put their trust in God through him to receive him as their savior and serve him as their king in the fellowship of his church. Beautiful. Great quote. Yeah. Donald S. Whitney. He's just a very clear writer. Um, is that yeah. from his spiritual disciplines one or is yep. it from a, yep. okay. No, it's from yep. spiritual disciplines. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, little plug there as well. Uh, a book that's definitely worth your time uh, mm. is the spiritual disciplines by Donald S. Whitney. Um, one of the, th- the other points of confusion, I think for evangelism is that some people categorize this world of evangelism as like preacher work. I don't know. Have you guys experienced that? That like, okay, this is like particular, um, particular gifting. Uh, this is like pastoral kind of work here. And it's not for the, you know, quote, average Christian. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of folks might say, well, that's not my ministry. My ministry is more of a silent ministry, you know, or something like that. <laughs> uh, but the thing about evangelism, as as we have, have stated it, or rather as, you know, Donald Whitney has stated it, is that, you know, it, this is evangelism is the presenting of the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to sinful people. And so we have to look at evangelism, not just in the context of, you know, I'm going out to the street to evangelize, which could be, uh, but evangelism takes place in your home. Evangelism takes place in the workplace. Uh, evangelism takes place in your school, uh, in you know any various clubs that you're a part of, family reunions. I mean, there's so many contexts. Wherever there's a sinful person, uh, there is an opportunity for uh, evangelism. And so that should actually make it less scary that it doesn't have to be a programmed evangelistic event by your church, but it can be actually a daily action uh, of presenting the Lord. And this is something that is expected of every Christian. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's not just preacher work. It's not just super Christian work. <clears throat> this is every Christian work. And we know that from a various, uh, from various places in scripture and uh, a couple of those we have down. Yeah. So you have Matthew 28, 19 through 20, right? This is probably one of the big ones the great commission mm-hmm. go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and behold i am with you always to the end of the age mm. right so right. again great commission christ himself yeah is saying go now some people try to box that into a apostles only command which is they're just silly gooses for thinking that. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think it's just a it's a bad reading of the text. Um, <laughs> Jack shakes his head in disappointment. No. Right. No, I so mean, the, yeah. I mean, for the for the first for the you know, I, I would say for the big thing, the apostles didn't make it to uh, to the United States like where we are. Yeah. You know, who, well, it's like, God forbid, what would have happened had it just simply stopped with them, right? Or if it right. was only yeah. limited to the work of pastors. Uh, the reality right. is, it's commanded to all people and the the main command is make disciples right you do that by going by baptizing by teaching and built into that is the very fabric of a promise from christ himself behold i am with you always mm. to the end of the age the end of the age it's right end of the age right and so when is the end of the age right Don't it's ask Jack. The yeah Jack. <laughs> <laughs> this is where our eschatology comes out yeah <laughs> Is that what we're going to do tonight? We're going to fight? Is that we're going to fight? Yeah. 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 We're going to fight over that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just I was probably going to say the same thing you were going to say. We're commanded to do it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Like, right. Christ is with us. We're commanded to do it. Every Christian, every pastor, from the greatest to the least, from the first to the last, anyone who claims and professes, and bears the name of Christ upon them, you are called to evangelize. Right. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so I am sending you. Mm. So this is every believers. I mean, this is every believers work. Now there's a couple of things, uh, hopefully just to immediately uh, with some of you see, set your mind at ease is that, when you are evangelizing, this may sound elementary, but it's something to remind ourselves of. When you are evangelizing, you are not going at it alone. Um, most Christians put off witnessing until the day that they feel confident enough to actually do it, that they feel confident enough in their Bible knowledge or that they have some specialized training or something that they think is going to give them that extra boost that they need. Uh, unfortunately, though, if you're waiting for a day where you feel fully confident to start, you're probably not going to start. I mean, that day rarely comes. Um, and again, it's, it's just for the same reasons that we mentioned earlier, we fear not having the right answers. We find it difficult to strike up conversations with strangers or to strike up spiritual conversations with uh, loved ones, coworkers, those things. Um, and the seriousness of the issue ways mm -hmm. on us also. And so we just yeah. would rather, you know, be, be kind of uh, hands off rather, but here's the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is it is not your clever words. It is not your strategy. It is not your anything that saves men. I, I wish in a way that it was, I wish that we could, you know, if you could hit somebody with your Bible just hard enough, they would come to know the Lord Jesus. But it doesn't work like that, and God has been uh, pleased to not do it that way. Uh, but we have to understand that God is the one who saves men and women. Mm. Yep. It's it's his work. Yeah. It's, it's a great, like, such a great relief being a Calvinist in this sense, right? Because three of us are Calvinists. Um, and knowing that it that the success of the message, right, or the result is not dependent on me and how eloquently I can 
mm-hmm. you know, frame mm-hmm. theology or phrase theology mm-hmm. or, or, or convince somebody. Right. right. Uh, but because, because if you think about it, that argument that like, well, I make sure I have to say it just right. Or yeah. I've got to get, I can't, I'm not good enough to do this. So I've got to make sure I get my friend to come listen to this really good preacher. Come listen to, you know what I mean? There's nothing right. wrong with yeah. that, but, yeah. but relying on someone who you think is more gifted than you or whatever it is. Right. Right. What we're doing is putting the work and the act of salvation in, in man's hands. Like we're, we're equating it to God can't do this. I've got to find the most skilled, the most, the most uh, best person. I, I know at evangelism to talk to this guy. Cause he'll listen to him. Cause you know, right. He's going to get that. Like yep. it's this, it's very man centered and not God centered. And it's one yeah. of the beautiful things about believing and trusting in God's sovereignty is, is even though we don't feel confident enough in the Bible, even though you may feel like I don't have enough Bible knowledge or I don't have specialized training, um, wh- whatever it might be, God is the one who saves. Right. And it's through the proclamation of the gospel. We're, we're just like a tool in the, or an instrument in the Redeemer's hands in that sense, right? What I just heard you say was that evangelism isn't important, Mr. Clavinist. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that, I mean, but so I, I hope that if you're, if you're listening and you're shocked by the fact that we believe the doctrines of grace, uh, that even by the testimony of us doing this episode, that it would burn up the straw man that Calvinists mm-hmm. don't believe in evangelism. I mean, that is one of the most frustrating things because it's just simply not true. In fact, I believe that being a Calvinist empowers your evangelism because it yeah. gives you the boldness to go out and proclaim Christ, knowing that the Lord is the one who saves people, not Blake, not Jack, not Grayson, not whatever, but it's the Lord that does it. You know, yeah. and the Lord can even use a, a, tri- a chick track in a bed truck stop bathroom <laughs> if he so chooses to do so. Amen. Yeah. You know? Amen. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, it's like, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I look at, right. uh, what is it, Romans one sixteen? for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Right. Nothing else, right? It's the, it's that beautifully simple. And for right, us as right. Calvinists, we, we can look at something like that and just say, like the power is ultimately in this foolish message we proclaim to the world. That's a stumbling block to the Jews and to the Gentiles yep. because they're right. looking for a foolishness sign to looking. the Greeks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. at the end of the day, um, it completely throws a burden off of my back and I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. All I have to do is look at it and say, am I preaching the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Right. And if I am, and, and sorry, go ahead. No, you're good, man. You're good. I was going to say, if I'm, if I'm doing that, then that's literally all that God's called me to do is to be able to right. pro- proclaim that gospel message because that's what saves. Right. And in that, that's where we have then our, our measure of success. Cause I think okay. that's another one of the things that is, is we get, if, if we get like skewed in our idea of what evangelism is, which is the proclamation of the gospel, the good news, uh, I think if you, boil down the good news of the gospel as simple as possible. It's in the phrase, Jesus died for sinners. Okay. Mm -hmm. That you have Jesus. So crucial part, you know, every word, every word of that phrase is important that Jesus and the exclusivity of Christ and his personage and who he is, that he died, that there was an atonement made for other people, you know, someone else he's doing this for, and it's sinners that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So as you're proclaiming uh, that message, the success of the message is measured 
not in the souls on your end, not in the souls that are converted, but rather that you were obedient in mm. proclaiming the message. Okay. Now, this is going to be different than what you've probably seen in a lot of um, Western Christian church culture because we are so um, pragmatic in what in, in our gauges of success, right? Bigger church, more funding, more people attending, more, I mean, you know, more bigger, bigger numbers, more stage lights, more fog machines, more, you know, all of that stuff is, is how, you know, people gauge success and things. And in evangelism, it is the same thing. Now that's not to say we don't want to see people saved. Of course we want to see people saved. If we go out and evangelize and in, if we hold a VBS and one kid comes to know Christ, it will have been worth it. If 10 kids come to know Christ, excellent. If 40 kids, but you have to understand that the success on our end was in the proclamation and then the glory goes to God for the salvations, yeah. right? Um, yeah. One of the things that I uh, write in the cover of all my Bibles, like ever since I was, you know, be became uh, a Christian, it's something that really stood out to me. I was reading a biography of Hudson Taylor. And when Hudson Taylor was, you know, some of you know the story of Hudson Taylor and Inland China missions and all that stuff. But when he was um, campaigning, I guess, for workers to go to Inland China, which was not a desirable position by any means, uh, instead of asking for money, he just prayed for workers. And in one of the uh, speeches that he gave in London, uh, he said, if God gives us a band of men for Inland China and all go and starve and die. And he like lists this like horrible, like ways that you could meet your end as a missionary. Uh, if even one heathen, heathen soul was saved, would it not have been worth the while, you know? Yeah. And so all of our efforts in proclaiming the gospel uh, are going to be how we judge success. Not that we led 300 people to the Lord, not that we led 500 people to the Lord, um, but praise God, if he would be pleased to do that. So we kind of live in this um, suspension, right, between obedience and then desiring to see folks actually come to know Jesus. Yeah. Um, who who was the missionary to Burma? Was that uh, Adoniram Judson? Or I feel like we I, had this exact discussion we, like, yeah, like in yeah, like last season. <laughs> we were really. like, which we were, I think we it were was, like, which I'm missionary say was this? Adam Aram Judson. So he, he went to Burma and didn't see fruit for years. Yeah. I mean, literally right. seven years. years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And then it was one person. And right. I mean, now you look at the legacy that he left behind and it's like several churches, hundreds of thousands of Christians. It's like, but none of that happened magically overnight for him. And right. what he did for seven painstaking years was just simply live out the gospel and be able to proclaim that message to these people and right. do the hard, hard work that led to the death right. of some of his family members and just yeah. horrendous yeah. situations, even for him. Right. Um, so, but what we, what was, what we've done what was a success rate for him. Right. Yeah. And we've what taken we've done it and in, made it a cutesy yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. What we have done in American evangelism is we have said, Read the, uh, here's a track, 
read the prayer on the back. And if you super mean it in your heart, then you're, then you're a Christian. Right. And I, you know, I remember it, it is, it's, it's sad, but I remember hearing, you know, reports from people who go out to our local colleges who have told, so, uh, we had a, a student in our college ministry who this actually happened to, uh, that the guy gave him a track and was like, Oh, you know, here, you know, here's a track for you. And, and, uh, our, our student at the time says, Oh uh, yeah, I'm already a Christian. You know, he's trying to get to class. The guy just ignores him, you know, and is like, Oh, here's your, okay. So read this. Okay. You understand this? Yes. Okay. Now read the back of the track here. And, and our kids like, okay, I got to get to class. I'm, you know, I, I believe like I, I believe in Christ. Okay. Read the back of the track here. Um, and then, you know, it's like a sinner's prayer kind of mm -hmm. thing. And, uh, that, so that guy, you know, who did this, you know, this campus evangelism kind of thing, uh, he was reporting to, you know, area churches that every time he goes out 60, 70, 80 kids come to know Christ is savior because, <laughs> because they've read, because oh. they've read the prayer on the back of the paper. What a shyster. That, that is not evangelism. Okay. That is, that's something else. I mean, I don't know what that is or what, what exactly to describe that as, but it's not, but it's not evangelism. It's not, uh, as we've talked about before, a lot of the Christian disciplines and things, they are, um, it's so cliche to say messy, you know, my life yeah. is messy and life is messy, you know, but I mean, but there, but there's so much involved in these things that they're not just easy, you know, copy paste, you know, kind of things. Hey, read the prayer. You're good to go. Get out of here, kid. I got a, I got a line of uh, students trying to get into the class here that I'm trying to save, yeah. you know, or you could have so, an experience like I did. And when we went to, there's a conference in college, age. I don't know. It's called TCX or something like that. It was part of InterVarsity and Crusades and all that good junk mm -hmm. um, out in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just junk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we go to this conference. I didn't want to go, but I had somebody sponsor me. I was a young Christian. So I went and I wasn't going to put up a stink about it. One of the things that they had us do was we went into the one of the project high rises, like the assisted living apartments you know mm -hmm. big sky rise filled with people and floor by floor they took all these college students and made them go and knock on everybody's door and share the gospel with them and so what they did was give them basically tracks to go walk them through and every time what would happen is they would have i think three or four of these a year and so every three four months you get people that were you know quote unquote saved again because they just would ring them all the way through this apartment complex again mm -hmm. and again mm -hmm. and again. So a new round mm -hmm. of students would come through and they'd get all excited about evangelism. And, you know, they led so many people to Christ, but these people right. were the same people they were hitting up every three months and never got plugged into a church. And then right. they bring all these college kids back to the conference and start to try and sign them up for different things for like, Hey, go to Darfur where you can go and die to give the gospel or go to this place. It's unreached people. Mm -hmm. And right. I remember at that point, um, that event literally is what spurred me on to want to be a pastor was because I was mm. watching people. So it worked. Perfect. Well, in that sense, <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> I was right, just right. like, I'm, I, I remember looking at all these people running around who, for one, couldn't share the gospel because half of them didn't even know it. And I think just part of it was they were not saved themselves. 
Uh, but for mm-hmm. two, none of the people that were um, being evangelized were ever followed up with. And so they were, if right. they ever did get saved, they were just left to the wolves to hang out in right. this apartment complex. Right. It, it and I remember like thinking, this... it's like, somebody has to feed them. Mm. It, it cheapens it so much. Mm-hmm. It cheapens the, I don't want to say, like, I can't, I'm not going to say the message of the gospel. It might in some cases, right? It's probably thin, but it cheapens the seriousness of what it is. Because if, if we really care about the soul of this person, you think we'd be compelled to share the gospel and follow up, right? Right, right. I mean, well, I, mean imagine, I, I realize it's not every case you can. Like, I, I get that. Right, like, right. But imagine, like, with your children. Imagine you walk your children quickly through a track. They say the prayer on the back. And then you never talk about Christ with them again. Right. You know? It's yeah. like... It would it would be ridiculous. Like people would be like yeah. that's not that's not evangelism at all, and that's not you know Christian living at all. It's not fellowship at all. I mean, we have a very high view on the court in the course in the chaos uh, of you know local church yeah. too. You know that there's you know there's no such thing as you know Christians that are not plugged in. Okay, and so in your evangelism, I mean, it should flow from a local church directing people to a local church. Um, because that's where Christians gather. And if people were, you know, if they come to know the Lord, then they need to be in church. Right. So, and we're talking about this, you know, success in evangelism and things, you know, you go out, you evangelize on the street or to your, you know, to your rotten neighbors or your schoolmates or your coworkers and say, nobody repents. Have you been a failure then in your evangelism? And the answer is not necessarily because, we have Christ as an example uh, of evangelism in Mark 10. Um, and they're really, the, the, the rich young ruler is an incredible and telling evangelistic counter, uh, I think, that is beneficial for us to read. So would um, one of you guys want it or do you want me to read it? If you've got it up, go ahead. I I'm do not got it. Yet. I All do right. got it. Um, <clears throat> Mark 10. 17 and following. Just listen. I, I'm sure you've heard this, but just listen to this. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that the dream come true? <laughs> Is an evangelist. Yeah, it's like the softball question. That somebody like, runs gonna, up to you. Somebody runs up to you, kneels down and says, Tell me how I might inherit eternal life. I've never had that happen to me, right? Now, if you want to talk about waiting for the right moment, I mean, this is the right moment, right? This guy runs up, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus whips out a track, runs through the Roman's road, has him say (laughs) the prayer on the back, and the guy boogies out, right? No, Jesus does the soul work. He does the hard work of evangelism. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Here Jesus is making sure that this man has a correct understanding of goodness. And in evangelism, that is the fundamental issue that you are up against, is that most everybody believes that they are good, that they have a wrong view of goodness. You ask the average person on the street, do you think you're going to go to heaven? They will say, yes. Why? Because I'm a pretty good person. 
Yeah. I'm a pretty good person. I'm, I'm no Hitler, you know? Yeah. Hitler always makes the bad end of the scale and you always are on the right side of the scale, right? The good side, right? You know, I try, I, you know, I, I go to work. I love my family. I pay my taxes. I don't swear that much, you know? So I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the good side of things. Most people have a misconception of what goodness is and the rich young ruler, it's brought out that he has a misconception of what goodness is, right? Further on verse 19, you know, the commandments. So Jesus starts rattling off uh, the moral law of God. This is going to be essential. And we'll kind of come back to this toward the end of the podcast. You know, the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, get this teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. This guy is full of it. And he has no idea of his own sinfulness. Like he, he has no concept of it. Even up against God's law, he's saying things like, I've never stole. I've never lied. I've never taken advantage of it. I've always honored my mother and father. I mean, this is truly a guy who doesn't understand the sin issue. So Jesus says, Verse 21, and Jesus looked at him. This is crucial. This is why I love Mark's account of, of this event. Jesus looked at him and loved him. How many times do we not say the difficult things under the guise that we love someone? Mm-hmm. But Jesus here truly gets to the root of the spiritual matter. Why? Because he loved him. Jesus doesn't have him repeat a prayer and run off, you know, still in his, you know, fallen in his sinfulness, believing that he's a Christian now because he doesn't want to hurt this guy. He realizes this guy needs to feel the weight of his sin. He needs to understand that he's fallen before a righteous only God and that only God is good and everybody else is in this category of wickedness, right? So 21, Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Now, of course, this passage has been taken out of context and skewed and strewed and abused because People don't understand what Jesus is getting at here, but this is what Jesus says. He says, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. That is the rich young ruler, disheartened, went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And that is, as far as we know, the end of the communication between Jesus and the rich young ruler. You know, as the guy is turning around and he's walking away disheartened, um, notice that Jesus doesn't run after him and say, well, wait, wait, I have some good news too. I'm going to die for you. This guy doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about it at all because he doesn't understand his own sin. And he would rather have his his greed and his usury and his sin rather than Jesus. And so Jesus does one of the most difficult things in evangelism. He presents the moral law to the man. 
The man refuses to see that he has fallen, and he walks away downcast, not because he believes he's a sinner, but because he has so much that he's not willing to give up for Jesus, and Jesus lets him walk. Yeah. He lets him walk. I mean, I know you guys have, have witnessed uh, loved ones, and, and I have. One of the most difficult things is getting through this far and having them say, I still don't care. And they just walk. I mean, what good is it at that point to throw your pearls before swine? What, what good is it to have them repeat a prayer? It, it's some kind of false comfort for, you know, milk toast believers who would rather feel good about the encounter than have the encounter actually be real and true. Right. Yeah. Yep. You slide. Yeah, you got me monologuing. Nobody got you monologuing. You did it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I said, "Hey, who one of you guys want to read this?" And you said, "No, Blake, you no, read no, it." No. <laughs> and then I got going on. <clears throat> Grayson actually took a nap during that during that exchange. I did. Right I did. <laughs> Jack was enjoying some fig newtons. I woke up and I'm like, huh? Huh? Where are we? <laughs> oh, what? What's the passage? Yeah. <laughs> what's the, yeah, what's no, that, the passage? Like that was great. Yeah, you're you're spot on, man. That that's it. I also I didn't you 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 did the outline. I jotted some some notes here. I thought about too the woman at the well, and I went for the sake of time, I won't read the whole thing, but that's another mm-hmm. another so, area where Yeah, that's the opposite side of the coin. Yeah. Of yeah. like the response of the individual. Yeah. But but you have you see what Jesus did, like he confronted the sin. He's like, look at what you've done, woman. Like she's yeah. like, who is this man who's told me everything? I've, you know what I mean? Like he goes right to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you have, a, yeah. you have a very different response from her, which is interesting. He's like, you tell which the truth. You do not have one husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Even the man right. you are living with right now is not your husband. It's not your husband. Yeah. I mean, how often do we just stick in that dagger? I think, that's one of the reasons why we, we we can often fail is that we have those opportunities presented and for the sake of being quote unquote nice, we just don't. Right. But the reality yeah. is you'll never get somebody to understand the gospel, the good news, without the bad news. Yes, right? you so have if you don't to have lay the out the news. problem right. that they are a sinner standing condemned before a holy God on their way to hell, then what's the good news at that point? If you yeah, can right. never get to that point. Why is right. the good news any good? And the good news, I would submit to you, doesn't make sense without the bad news. You know, no. Nope. Yeah. I mean, I've heard it put the way I've heard it put this way that um, you know you're walking down the street and uh, some guy comes running up to you and saying, "I got pills. I've got pills. Take here, take these pills." I mean, what are you going to do? Probably, <laughs> you're not going to take the pills, right? Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully you're not. You know, I got I've I've got these pills. Uh, you you got you got to take these pills. Uh now if the context is that this guy uh is your doctor and he says we've run some tests on your last visit, we had some things came up and you know, you've got this serious illness and this illness is going to take your life very soon, we don't know how soon, but you need to get on this medication immediately so that your life might be saved. Well, that brings a whole different light because the the uh, the darkness of the situation 
has made the cure shine brightly. And I've heard other people, you know, say it, but you know, the, the, the gem of the gospel shines brightest on the backdrop of sin. Right. Yeah. So to go, so just to go to somebody and say, Jesus loves you and died for you without talking about sin is ridiculous. I, I didn't ask Jesus to die for me. I don't even know who that is. I don't even have a proper understanding of who Jesus is. I didn't ask him to die for me. That's great that he loves me, but I don't love him. What produces love for Christ in the believer? The yeah. fact that Jesus saved us from our sin. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So anyway, That's preach good. the gospel if necessary. Use words. <laughs> right. Gosh. Yeah, that's really good. I jotted down a verse here. It's kind of it's not directly tied to anything we just said, but it's kind of I feel like it's a it's a critical text. So it would be great if you it. just read like a genealogy right now or something. <laughs> <laughs> like this isn't tied into anything. That's really that we're talking. This. <laughs> just kind of in the mood, you know. Right, right. And the weight of the um, bowl was seven hundred silver seconds. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm, that's good. That's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Romans 10, 14 through 17. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call upon him whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed, who has heard from us? Mm. So faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Yeah. But I thought about that when you, my mind went back to that verse, Grace, when we made the joke about the, you know, sharing of, share the love gospel, sometimes use words, whatever. Point being, like, faith comes through hearing and hearing of the word of Christ. Like, right. Yeah. Evangel, a key component of, of, if it's not clear already, you can demonstrate the love of Christ through actions. You can do things like you can you can be a witness in the way you carry out your life, a representative of the of, of Christ. But you cannot effectively evangelize if you're not preaching the gospel and sharing right. the word of Christ. Right, that's a big distinction. Like it's you can a, yeah you can live the life, but if you're not doing that, you are not evangelizing. Yeah, evangelism is not passive. Yes, you know. I mean, yep. you're supposed to be living a life of godliness. Absolutely. People are supposed to look at your life and say, and see that there's something different. But yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, people, how often do people really see that you are so godly that they come running up in tears saying, tell me about the hope that lies within, you know, I mean, how often has that happened? And, but, uh, and then let's so like take that up against how many opportunities you've had to interject the gospel and get into a gospel conversation that you have not taken. Those have far outweighed people running up to you asking why your life is different, though it may have happened. And maybe so one of my favorite, my, my sister works at a chemical lab. Uh, she's a strong uh, believer. One of my, one of my favorite people on, on planet earth, godly woman. She has had people ask her, and it's always on this one thing, multiple times. How come you don't swear? <laughs> like, why don't you cuss? And then she uses that as an opportunity to That's jump great. in. And like, why is your speech, you know, like your speech different? 
you know, in employee reviews, why are you more level headed than your coworkers? Like more even keel, you know, not as bitey yeah. and, and feisty and angry and, you know, and then uses yeah. that an op- uses that then as an opportunity to speak on Christ. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a beautiful that's thing though, because you have here a, a young woman that's able to live out a life that is consistent with her profession of faith. And then because of that, she's right. now able to give a profession of faith in terms of calling them to that. And so there is that active right. declaration right. nonetheless. But even even in her life, you could argue it's not a passive thing. It's a very active thing because she's consciously choosing right. Right. to live in a, in a way that's above reproach among her coworkers to that then driving questions. Right. Right. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So this is not in the, this isn't in the notes, but this does come up in, and, you know, you guys, I'm sure have thought about this before too. So we talk about, you know, your life, your life does need to be a life lived in godliness, right? I mean, right. we need to be that shining light to folks around us. And that actually gives, you know, credence to the changing power of Christ in our lives. Okay. So I think it adds, there's that extra, uh, it kind of augments evangelism when your life is right. But does that mean then that if you have ever messed up, that now you can't evangelize? I mean, think about the times that, you know, maybe you're at work and you do lose your cool or you do, you know, blow up on somebody or you do, you know, I mean, whatever the thing may be that you feel like, man, I've now I've lost my I now have lost my my right to speak into people's lives. Does that does that kill your opportunity for evangelism then? If you've blown up in front of a coworker, does that mean you can never evangelize with them? No. What would you tell them? I would tell them first, um, repent, right? Put away the ungodly behavior right. and put on some godly behavior. Right. Go and seek their forgiveness mm. and don't use that as an opportunity right then and there to launch into a gospel presentation. But if they are taken aback by that, which most people in the unbelieving world would be, um, you can then give an explanation as to saying, okay, well, here's why I need to seek your forgiveness because Christ demands it of me. It was wrong. It was sinful. Um, but I, I I simply want to be faithful to that end. Um, you can then use that, as right. a later point of being able to bring the gospel back to bear, because the good news is, is that Christ right. saves sinners. He doesn't save perfect people. And the, your, your very <laughs> right. sin is what right. qualifies you um, to be right. saved. And then for two, to be able to talk to other people and say, Hey, look, I'm, you know, you shouldn't consistently be the screw up, but you can say, this shows you <laughs> yeah, a great right. example of the reality that I'm still a sinner and that I still need Christ just as much as anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, right. And that's why we should never, like, I, I do think sometimes we get afraid, like, okay, I've blown it in front of my unbelieving family members or friends, and so therefore I've lost my testimony, and that's it. What you said is, is, is perfect. Repent of, the, repent of the sin, ask, you know, for forgiveness from them, and then later on down the road, if you have an evangelistic opportunity and some coworker throws it back in your face, oh, yeah, well, remember that one time, Mr. Perfect Christian, <laughs> uh, you blew up and you, you know, did whatever, or, you know, you lost your temper, whatever the, th- the case was. What a beautiful opportunity now for you to say, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's why I need Christ. And I want you yeah. to know Christ also. Yeah. Because I also am a sinner. Don't be afraid to own up to your sin. I don't know why. I think we've talked about that before. 
Yeah. The Christians, you know, sometimes they think like, well, we can't, you know, we just have to, we, I don't know. It's so weird to me. It's so weird to me that a Christian would feel strange about admitting that they're a sinner. I think it's fine in generalities yeah. when you get into specifics, though, is when people start to, you know, the shame attaches to it and it becomes harder to just admit it. Sure. Um, there, I mean, I can recall points where um, different jobs I held where just sin came out and I had to do that. I had to eat crow a number of times because I'm pretty good at the sin stuff. But right, it was a shameful thing to come up to an unbeliever for me and have to admit guilt. And yeah. the, the, the one time was even yeah. worse because the guy didn't even know I sinned against him. And so I had to actually, mm. my conscience was just pricking at me for like two weeks. And I finally mustered up the courage to go and talk to the guy. And I was like, right. Hey, I, 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 I need to let you know, because this has been weighing heavy on my heart. And I, I talked behind your back. I was the one that ate your I was the one that ate your enchiladas out of the break room. <laughs> With a note that specifically said, please do not eat my enchiladas. <laughs> no, I uh, I had talked behind his back, and I talked poorly at the guy. And so I just he, – he, again, had no clue about it. Um, but I came up to him and just said, you know, I I need to seek your forgiveness. What I did was wrong. It was sinful. I feel like a complete fool and that I know I've broken – trust, especially now that I have to admit this to you. And the poor guy's just sitting there like, right. Okay. And, and so I just told him like, stop crying. Well, it's all right. <laughs> I, I told him though, I'm like, I, <laughs> I, I talked poorly of you behind your back and I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And he's like, Oh no, that's totally fine. And he's like, that actually takes some guts for you to come up and say to me, he's like, I wouldn't have told anybody in the world, but it was an odd thing right. because the guy then afterwards, um, it, he was totally open to all sorts of different conversations. And he would razz me about it from time to time. But he did it in a playful, mocking way yeah. instead of, like, uh, throwing it right. back in my face type of way. Yeah, yeah. But it sucked. I had I had no, no desire to go and tell this guy. Because <laughs> it's like, in, in my heart, right. I'm like, he has no clue. I could totally get away with it. But it's just right. my yeah. conscience would not allow me. Yeah. Yeah. So your lifestyle backing your message is very important, but just be be at ease, Christian. That if you have screwed up, uh, there's forgiveness available for that, and there is a there is a right path to uh, you know to walk that doesn't you know totally uh, you know neuter your evangelistic efforts um, as you're going yeah. about, particularly yeah. with particularly with family coworkers, schoolmates, neighbors, those kinds of folks that are in our lives, you know, more than, than once, you know, a, an off chance, you know, kind of greeting. Yeah. So Jesus says, Matthew five sixteen, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Give glory to your father who is in heaven. Oh. Uh, that's going to be a, a part of evangelism, but that's not the whole, the whole pie. Before we get into those, rapid fire question stuff. Do you guys have anything else to, to add there? I was going to ask you guys a question. Cause I, I, I had a memory. We were talking about this and I forgot all about this. When I was in seventh grade, a friend of mine invited me to the quote unquote hell house around Halloween. Okay. The hell house. And the hell house was a haunted house. That was an evangelistic haunted house. 
haunted isn't the right word. Like, uh, I can, yeah, it was, I'm just, I can already get a sense of how poorly this was done. I've I've heard of these. Well, yeah, I I just, I'm kind of just, do these still exist? I guess I think they do, but but wait, so so tell what I want to know. Oh, it was wild. I so, want to know about the Hell House. Did it like actually <laughs> light it on fire? Or? If you want to know about the Hell House, the Hell House, subscribe to premium content. <laughs> no, so we went in, and it was themed like a haunted house, but there weren't like ghosts and stuff. Yeah, every room you'd go into would be like a scene that played out that you'd watch like a play, and they were like intense sin consequences. Like one, the one that sticks out to me was a guy who like committed suicide. Right. Like you like watch a guy, like a kid commit suicide and you see there was one where man, I haven't thought about this so long. There was one where a girl like had an abortion and you're like in the room and like, there's all these like horrible sin things that are happening and you go from room to room and you're led by devils. Dude, that like, sounds guys, intense. It was, in, and I was in seventh grade. It, yeah. And then, then you go to hell. Dead serious. You went to hell. So they took you to, you like walk down this, this little gravel path. And there were these coffins that were like stood up on the wall. Yeah. And you, you went in there, there were like two people in one and you put them in there and they turned the heat like way up. I bet it was 120 <laughs> degrees in there. And then they and turn on a like, Bernie Sanders speech. <laughs> <laughs> I am once again asking you no, for he was money. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, they were playing like Metallica or something. I don't know. Yeah. And then, and then like, the back side of the coffin opens up because you go on one side, the back side of the coffin opens up and it's dark, but then you see this white light like way far away. And there's like this person in an angel suit that walks down and like takes you. And then, they <laughs> and then they shared the gospel with you. And then you go sit outside and sat down with a counselor and they're like, do you want to receive, <laughs> you know, this thing? And, and, <laughs> cause this will be your reality. Hold on. Hold on. I'm writing this down. <laughs> Dead serious. This happened. And well, I honestly don't remember what I said. I, man, I, I think just, I probably said something. Like, I think I'm already like, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. I didn't like, yeah. I think I just thing. really want to get out of here. Right <laughs> I just remember I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, well, thanks for coming. Here's some lemonade and cookies. <laughs> right. <laughs> enjoy hell. Whitney. Yeah. Enjoy hell. This yeah. is the best yeah. you'll ever get it. Man, that's a, <laughs> wow. That is a, is that like an East Texas thing? Is that okay? But here's, here's, no, I think it's, here's something that's weird though. <laughs> Like in my mind, I don't want to say what I'm thinking. Never mind. <laughs> Do I need to edit something? <laughs> no, no. I like I can understand like the intent. Like obviously that's an intense. You it was know, really intense. I mean that's a that's a really intense thing. But I'm not gonna say that God couldn't use that. No, 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 I have no doubt. Particularly if the gospel, particularly if the gospel is given, you know, like at the end, and it's not just it, that, you know, the repeat the prayer thing, but it's like you look, reflect back on, you know, the things that you saw, the sins yeah. that actually people commit, and sins that you have committed, though it was done obviously in a very dramatic fashion, and ultimately, we want in evangelism, we want to focus on people's like individual people, not concepts of sin. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And so as I'm evangelizing you, like I'm not, I'm not going to run right to abortion, you know, right. like, Oh, everybody, you know, abortion, you have to go in hell and all stuff. I mean, it, because, the, the because thing- I'm interested in, because I'm, yeah, I'm interested in the individual and getting them to see their sin 
not yeah. to see, you know, somebody else's. Yeah. Well, and, and the whole thing was scare the hell. I was going to say right? the like, the thing I right. I that was take objection was to tactic, would be more right. of the. It's almost like emotional man- manipulation in that sense of really yeah. we're just going to scare the crap out of you, and in light right. of that, then we'll drive you to the gospel. And again, God could certainly use it. I mean. God will use many things to yeah. be pleased to do so, but right. would I ever sanction that and right. use it? Because no. <laughs> no, I don't have enough rooms in well, my house. It's like, for even if I for one, <laughs> even if I did, it's you just know. like there, there, there are many. It almost strikes yeah. of like the Finney-esque revivalism type of thing yes. to me. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. it's a great point to say. It's a great point to say that uh, the the yeah that is a that's going to be a fear based evangelism whereas when you're presenting the moral law of god you're saying okay i'm i'm guilty before god and what should drive an individual you know by the working of the holy spirit you know awakening them is not only the fear of hell and punishment but the beauty of christ's sacrifice and his love on your behalf yeah um that makes the difference between a, well, I just want to get out of hell free card versus, wow, I deserve to go to hell, but this is what Christ has done on my behalf uh, yeah. to, to forgive me. And I'm not sure you're getting that message cleanly cut in the hell house. Yeah. I, you know, it's been so long ago and I, and I don't think I was a believer when I went through at that time. So like, yeah, I, I don't so remember the content didn't of work, the message. Hell house is off <laughs> of the, off of the Halloween plans. Hey, that might that could be an argument for maybe one of our first points that it's not about being eloquent because they had some amazing actors. Yeah, like, full drama. Like it was, it was an intense thing. Like if you're trying to drive emotion, saying that I've got to emotionally connect, this is this is how it works. Man, yeah. they nailed it. Like right. they nailed it. It was right. really well done. But uh, yeah, so right. I, all that to say, I don't remember the quality of the gospel. I don't remember what they said. Right, right. I just remember the scenes that I told you and then going to hell and then seeing an angel come and grab my hand and say, come this way. I have some lemonade and cookies. Right. It's interesting to me that in Mark 10, Jesus doesn't tell the rich young ruler, let's take a walk over to the hell house. (laughs) I've got something I want you to see over in the hell house over here. That'll be eight ninety five because they charge admission and there's no cookies at the end either. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was a little bit of a rabbit trail. Let, let's let's hit. You got some good questions here. Uh, just kind of rapid fire. <laughs> What's our we, time uh, at, Jack? <laughs> just over an hour. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. we took a, just a five minute We're detour cozy. into Hell House territory. Into the Hell House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have we said Hell House? <laughs> We're gonna caption that for the for this episode. <laughs> Are you nervous about the yeah. Hell House? Like, oh, you do. Yeah, like in like a flame graphic <laughs> over oh, like go. our stills, you know? Should Christians yeah. use Hell House Actually, you in could, evangelism? You could just put flames behind all of us, Jack. Hmm. <laughs> like green screen them in or something. You could do that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so here's the deal. So, okay, we need to witness. Uh, witnessing is, or evangelism is, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ that is going to inevitably have the law. Uh, uh, tied into it. Um, the Ten Commandments. If you don't know the Ten Commandments, memorize... Oop, my earpiece came out. Memorize the Ten Commandments because we see all throughout the New Testament the moral law of God being set up before an individual to show them that they are, in fact, a sinner and that they need uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you don't have them memorized, memorize them. They're easy. My 
three-year-old has the Ten Commandments memorized, you can do it too. I believe in you. How do we start a witnessing encounter? Okay. So we're talking about being intentional. You will have to purpose in your heart to start these conversations. Again, a lot lot of people coming up to you saying, tell me about the hope that lies within. So what are some easy ways to get into witnessing conversations, to shift it from the secular to the sacred in your conversation? What do you think, boys? I'm waiting for you to speak. I thought you were going to. Um, yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, no, I'm not giving. No, no, yeah, no, I, I mean, thought Jack. I'm not. I'm I thought, not yeah, I, thought, my, my I meant Jack. I thought Jack was going to actually speak. So, <laughs> so what I do, honestly, <laughs> um, I am a big fan of just awkward segues. There's there's no clean way in my mind <laughs> yeah. of doing it. And so typically yeah. what I'll just yeah. do is uh, as we're in a conversation, I'll just start to – because people know I'm a pastor. Um, right. And so – as we get into different points of the conversation about, Hey, how's your family doing? I'll, I'll ask a lot of open-ended questions in general and make them talk. Yeah. And inevitably something comes out that hits spiritual territory. And so what I'll do is I'll, I'll latch onto that and say, can you just tell me what you believe about that a little bit more? Um, You know, if they're making a comment about politics or something like that, and then ultimately I'll take that and say, okay, so, I, I yeah. land differently, but what's driving that? Why right, do you believe right. that? What's the foundation? Right. The yeah. White House. Have you heard about the Hell House? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so being in Tulsa, you know, everyone here, quote unquote, is a Christian. It's <clears throat> part of the because we're, yeah. we're right in the middle of the Bible. Promise land. So yeah, yeah, it's a pro- yeah, that's right. So I'll often ask things like, "So where do you go to church?" Right. And almost everyone has, and then and then I'll ask questions. So so. so you know, do you ever similar like Grace? So, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? And stuff will just come out. Right? Jack, do you ever? I do this, and maybe this is dirty. Maybe this is a dirty pastor trick here. Oh, but sometimes when I'm talking to people, and they say, "Oh, I already, I already go to church," you know, because well, mm-hmm. you know, if whether if it's like door to door or something like that, or somebody at the store, or gas station, I already go to church. Oh, where do you go to church? And then they'll name the church, and we have one big church in town here. We're kind of a small town, but we have one uh, big church here, which is a. Um, <clears throat> oh wow! I'm blanking. Uh, what's the? They're not. They're bap. They're secret Baptist evangelical um, free, non-denominational. Okay. okay, yeah, they're like it's a, it's like a non it's like a non-denom church. Uh, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, Assembly of God, Assembly mm. of God. And so they um so charismatic Baptist. So, so, oh, I yeah, charismatic Baptist. Yeah, so I, I go to I go to the Assembly of God. Oh yeah, okay. Um. What's the, what's their pastor? Uh, what's your pastor's name again? Oh, <laughs> you know, if, if they don't know the pastor's name, you're good to go. Just just keep yeah. on with your with your uh, spiritual conversation. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Sorry, Jack. That's good. Yeah, that's a little little pro tip for uh, the people who already go to church. Yeah, that's good. So, Blake, what do you what do you do if they say that? You know, you, you start getting into it and they say something like, well, I don't even believe the Bible. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> no. Amen. I, mean, I don't, I don't care. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I like, I don't, it's, uh, I think, again, I think we said this last season, but that, that I think it was Vody Bauckham said, imagine two armies charging each other. They pull their swords out. And just before they come into contact opposing armies, the one guy says to the other, I don't believe in your sword. 
what's the soldier going to do? Oh, oh, okay. And put it away. <laughs> like, yeah. no, I mean, the, this is a, this is God's word. It is living. It is active. It is sharper yep. than any two edged sword. Why in the world would I put my sword away simply because somebody says, well, I don't believe in your sword. <clears throat> so I just always say, always say, you know, when they say, well, I don't believe in the Bible or I believe there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible or, we, you know, whatever thing people come up with, I, I always just say, I know you don't. I'm just telling you what it says. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't believe the Bible. I know you don't. I'm just telling you what it says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I believe there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible. Well, I know you believe there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible, but I'm just telling you what it says. And that almost always keeps you on track for yeah. your gospel conversation where you're not going to get off in the weeds and try to, you know, get, you know, where you're trying to all of a sudden argue something, of course, an unsaved person doesn't believe the word of God is the word of God, Yeah, you know, in, in the full sense of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've got a guy that I've been evangelizing right now and we'll go through different texts. We were actually going through Romans three talking about the, I mean, full extent of sinfulness on man, right? There's not one good, no, not one. And he's like, I just don't believe that yeah. people are corrupt. You know, I mean, I, it, people are sinful. I can, I can accept that, but I don't think that they're as bad as they, you know, are said to be in this chapter. And I'm like, okay, but what does it say? Well, it says that there's not one good. I'm like, okay, right. so good. You got that. Well, I don't believe it. I'm like, it doesn't matter. What's the text say? <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I, right. I'm not looking right. to debate you. I'm not looking to, or anything else. I'm just trying to get you just, can you agree that that's at least what the text says? Well, yeah, I can yeah. do that. I'm like, okay, then understand then, you know, you're yeah. free to believe what you want. Just understand it's at odds with what the Bible teaches. Yeah. And also understand that Romans 3 says no one understands. Yes. So. <laughs> 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 no one seeks, no one understands. So, yeah. Yeah. That sounds like, sounds awful like Calvin yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah let's not so, yeah. There. Yeah. So if people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so in your, so in your encounters, uh, as far as starting a witnessing encounter, just start it. I mean, have the conversation, get it going. Uh, if you don't have the ease of being a pastor and saying, you know, Hey, what do you do for work? Oh, I'm a pastor. Then diving right in. Uh, you know, if you're just, you know, average Joe Christian, you know, things like, Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I did this and this and this. Most people will ask you, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, well, on Saturday, I did this, you know, I did some projects around the house, you know, play with my kids, whatever. Sunday, uh, we went to church and the pastor was preaching on uh, this, this thing. It, you're in, right? Yep. You're in. Now, the only caveat yeah. there is you have to go to church, you know, uh, to, uh, yeah, you don't say, well, I was having church out at the lake <laughs> in my boat, <laughs> just meeting with Jesus, you know, don't do that. Don't do that. But I mean, it's so easy, like when you are when you're thinking like mindfully or like when you're just mindful of, you know, your walk with Christ, I mean, it's so easy just to get in to those conversations. You just have to practice doing it. And the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Evangelism is not just, it's delivering that message and being intentional about it. It's not simply saying, you know, God bless you to the check lady at the, at the store, you know, that's not evangelism. That's a nice thing, but it's not evangelism, yeah. right? It's yeah. being intentional. Um, do you have to know everything there is to know about apologetics before you evangelize? Short answer. Yes. 
Yeah, no, wrong. No, short, no. Short, <laughs> short answer. Yes, you must know every, every single, single argument <laughs> before you. Yeah, you better you better have a whole systematic worked out before you hit them streets. No. I would actually yeah. argue no. it's I mean, it's almost better if you don't know much of anything, just because the temp- <laughs> I'm serious that the temptation most mature Christians yeah. face is that they want to get into all the different arguments and fight it on an apologetic level, and it's like. None of that's going to save them. At the end of the day, if you convince right. them that you know there is a young Earth and that sola scriptura is true, and whatever else that you want to battle over, right. it's like congrats, right. they now believe that doctrine and are still heading to hell. So, right. at what point? Right, or or you at least, or you at least tied them up in their argument, not even that yeah. they believe, but that you tied them up and then they've yeah. walked away. Yep. Um, the- yeah, good for you. You won an argument, but yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, at what cost? Welcome you know, to what being benefit. me every day on the internet, bud. No. No. The, the thing you want to be able to do is is go back to the simplicity of the gospel, right? So you yes. don't have to be yes, uh, incredibly articulate. You don't have to be a guy who's been seasoned in a faith for fifty years. Or if you are that guy, great. But come back to the simplicity of the gospel, nonetheless, and focus on the person and work of right. Jesus Christ. Right. Yep. Yeah, because again, you can't. You're not arguing somebody into the gospel. You must show them their need for Jesus <laughs> yes. and His sacrifice on the cross. And so, I would say, I, almost almost every time that I've had an evangelistic encounter with somebody, there's always an attempt, and I do think there's a supernatural thing going on here to derail the conversation away from the cross, like away from the the moral aspect, away from what Jesus has done. And you get off into all kinds of, uh, you know, different things. I mean, people will randomly come up with stuff like, uh, you know, you're talking about sin and they'll say like, well, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about smoking? You know, it's like, yeah, that's a good question. We'll set that to the side for now. And um, yeah, yeah. so did we lose Grayson again? We might've. We might he have looks frozen on the. He's video. frozen okay. for us, frozen in time, like a uh, frozen chosen, like Han Solo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if somebody says that they're already a Christian, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing some investigation, some hopeful investigation of you know, if you have an opportunity uh, to be talking with a brother at that moment, then go for it. You know. Yeah. But you may find out that they're not actually you know, believers in, in talking yeah. about some of those things. Yeah. And that, um, that goes to my point earlier, like I'll, you know, ask where they go to church and kind of, yeah. because yeah. here again, culturally, everyone is a Christian, practically right. speaking. So right. you, you have to dig a little bit and Oh ask, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, well, what do you believe? Like, what do you really believe? You know? Right. So I, the door to door kind of uh, evangelism that I did when I lived in the South mm-hmm. versus here in uh, Oregon, totally different. Yeah, totally different. Because I'm in the South, I mean, literally everybody I think that we talked to, it was oh we yeah like we I think I've said this before. The most common phrase was oh yeah I done did that. You know? I done did that. Yeah, yeah I done did that. Like yeah I've I've already asked Jesus into my heart. You know thanks for stopping by, but I've got Saturday morning cartoons to watch. You know <laughs> it's just you know it's a the, the cultural aspect. Um, in that way, I think people that live in the South have a different challenge than us in like the Pacific Northwest have um, yeah. simply because of the, the cultural aspects yeah. of it. Yeah. 
and cutting through just because you repeated the prayer after Mima when you were three doesn't necessarily mean that you were a believer. You know, or you, you went to the hell house when you were or you went to the or you went to the hell house when you were seventeen. Yep. When you get to heaven, you better have your stub, your ticket stub from the hell That's house. Right. That's right. Into the, get into the <laughs> gates there. Um, one of the other, um, so this is just a point of practicality. I think that I wanted us to, to kind of add in. I know we're going kind of long here and we've officially lost Grayson. I think. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's coming back. back. He's coming back. He wants to come back. Anyway. Um, what do you do? There he is. <laughs> Hello. Wait a power surge. Apparently. Ooh. Ooh. You live in California or something? No, Lots of, the uh, yeah. the balmy Wisconsin weather. Yeah. Ah, I, uh, <laughs> I think a point of practicality, particularly as we're getting into um, some of this other, like as our culture continues to degrade in evangelistic encounters, I stick very, very closely to the Ten Commandments. Yeah, um, you know, we've I've had people ask like, well. What like so? What if the person's like an obvious like homosexual? Like, and that'll be the big thing that they want to run to. Like, you know, Christians hate homosexuals. You know, they like that will be the thing that they want to talk about. Uh, I, this is my tactic, and, and maybe this is not the this isn't the only way to do it. But in those encounters, I will start talking about every sin but homosexuality. I will go with, have you ever hated somebody? Have you ever told a, have you ever told a lie? Have you always obeyed your parents? Have you always given time to, to worshiping God as, as he is commanded? Have you ever coveted? Uh, have you ever, you know, I mean, all of those things, because they need to understand that we are sinners through and through. Now, the homosexuality thing, any sexual, any sexual sin at all will have to be dealt with mm-hmm. and it'll have yeah. to be confessed. but. I like starting on the other end, uh, away from the obvious, you know, perhaps the obvious pet sin uh, that is that is being, you know, laid yeah. out before me. And yeah. right or right or wrong, I've found in the few times I've had those conversations that the conversation has lasted longer, and we've been able to actually communicate better um, by just starting on those other, you know, more common you know, more common grounds uh, of sin. Sure. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. Um, typically what I've done is I, I go just default and I do with everybody. Um, you are a sinner by nature and therefore you sin. So whatever mm-hmm. sins that you are maybe predisposed to commit. Yeah. However, it doesn't really matter all that yeah. much. Right. What matters right. is that at your heart, you are rotten to the core. You know, Genesis six, Jeremiah, or was it Jeremiah 19? Um, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately mm-hmm. wicked. Who can understand it? Genesis six right. talks about right before the flood. Um, every intention of the thought of the heart is only evil continually. It's like, right. that's, those those are your big issues, right? And so, right, right. as a result of do you that, br- do you bring that down to specific sins, though? When you're communicating oh yeah, with I somebody? mean that's yeah, that's when I'll right. go to Romans one. Just did it again. Power surge. Power surge. <laughs> Power surge. <laughs> that's a great yeah, would- shot of Frozen Grayson right there, though. <laughs> All right. Very, well, very coy. It, we're an hour, hour and twenty in. 
Um, Can you say one last thing, Joe? Yeah, let's wrap it up real quick, though. (laughs) When I'm evangelizing, what if I, what if I stammer or mess up? Yeah, or your video goes out. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I have a power surge in the hell? The power surge. Yes. What if your power surge? Uh, Well, Mr. Blake, I would say. Doesn't Mr. matter. Just be faith. Just Mr. be Blake's faithful. Neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. No. No. The results. Up. Right. Results belong to the Lord. Do right. your best. Right. Trust the Lord. You can. And I think you get, it's the thing you practice at. Like you said, you get better at it the more you do it. You can yeah. learn from it, but don't don't wear guilt because the results are not upon you. Right. 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 Just do your best to share the love of Christ, the gospel, right. mm-hmm. and yeah. And here's and, the thing, Christian. You are already equipped to do that. Yes. You have you the indwelling Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yep. You are really just proclaiming what has already taken place in your own life, that you are a sinner and that Jesus Christ saved you uh, yeah. and that you needed him, that he willingly sacrificed himself uh, as a propitiation <clears throat> for your sin. All you're doing is telling the old, old story that has meant so much to you and has changed your life. And then you leave the results to the Lord. So yeah, you may stammer and you may mess up and you may, you know, uh, walk away and think, man, I wish I would have said that, or I wish I would have said this differently. Um, is the Lord so small that if you stammer, it's going to throw his whole plan off. Uh, this is the Moses argument, right? Yeah. This is Moses. Lord, I am not of, I'm not of a fine speech. I can't even talk right. And the Lord says, who, who made the mouth? I've got this covered. You just do what you are supposed to do, what I'm telling you to do, and I'll take care of the rest. And that there is our mission and evangelism. Amen. So That's go yeah. out and give the gospel to someone. Be intentional. Jesus died for sinners. Tell them about it. I would highly recommend. I don't know. I didn't talk to Jack or uh, Grayson about this, so I hope that this is okay and they won't stone me later. I would highly recommend uh, you. Um, Look at like the way of the master with Ray Comfort, um, that that law and gospel kind of presentation uh, that he gives. Um, Wretched Radio has a really great uh, video called Terrified for those who are terrified to witness uh, that lays out some of those law uh, and gospel, you know, tactics and evangelism that have been very helpful to me uh, as I was a, as a young Christian. Uh, and it really helped give me confidence in, again, using the moral law and the gospel to show people their need for Christ and the glories of Christ. So yeah, that's all I've got. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So I'll end, uh, tell you what, I'll end with Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I think we can end there. Yeah. And then if I can time it right. Oh, there's great. Grayson's coming back. He's- if I can time it right, maybe the theme music. Will like come in at the end of the verse. I don't know. There you go. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Do it. So, um, so Grayson, welcome yes. back. Go therefore, <laughs> Grayson, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I, being Jesus, have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mm-hmm.